Hey guys, thanks and welcome back to the podcast. Um, before we get into the show, I just want to take a minute here to uh, thank everybody again for checking out the show, uh, responding on social media, and kind of just sending in questions and comments uh, just on things that are kind of happening now and what I'm hearing and what what you'd like to see on the show. So um, just to kind of keep that going and make sure everybody here is uh, able to get a hold of me and so that we can talk about some of this stuff because I know there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of um, misinformation out there. The information is changing every day. What you can do, what you can't do. Um, look, I, I like I've said a thousand times before, I don't have all the answers, but I do have uh, a lot of conversations with people, and I do have my own experience. So I'm happy to share that with you guys um, as we kind of go through this reopening. Um, you know, as you guys know by now, Florida has re-closed uh, a lot of restaurants, and that's unfortunate. Um, so if that happens to be any of you guys down there and, and want to talk through some things, I would love to um, be able to at least reach my hand out there and kind of offer it to you to help out. So the best way to get a hold of me is by text, and that number is 914-996-4569. Shoot me a text, and I will get back to you, and we will talk about uh, whatever it is you want to talk about. So, um, But look, it's tough out there right now. I know this cuts against the grain. For a lot of you guys, is kind of keeping people away from your restaurant and keeping the tables apart. You know, restaurant operators want to bring people together, right? We don't want to kick people out or tell them what they can't do. We want to tell them what they can do. So um, just keep going, guys. You know, keep going with it and, and do your best to, to, you know, keep your business afloat. Um, I know these are challenging times and our industry is facing some some uh, some dark situations, but I continue to believe that through uh, a sense of community, through a sense of connecting and speaking to each other and sharing our ideas, our thoughts, our resources, um, we'll all be better off. So um, again, always you can text me 914-996-4569 and we can talk about whatever you want to get into. But um, today on the show, I have Nick Palmieri from Gaetano's Restaurant in Henderson, Nevada, um, right outside of Vegas, just off the strip. It is a family owned Italian restaurant. And, you know, Nick, I mean, you got to check out their Instagram. He is out there putting himself in the front of the restaurant. He is a spirits expert. He has grown up in the restaurant business. And, um, you know, he has taken on, you know, he's a perfect example of your personality is the brand, right? Your personality is the restaurant. So, um, I connected him through his brother, Dan. Um, funny story. Dan works in commercial real estate, just like me. And he was on Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast because he was involved with something with Gary. And he started talking about restaurants and commercial real estate. So that obviously piqued my interest. So uh, thank you, Dan, for connecting me to your brother, Nick. It's kind of a small world here. Um, and you'll see. You'll see how they've pivoted, how they've had to adjust as a traditional sit-down restaurant, what they've done, and some of the initiatives that he's taken. So if you're a restaurant that has relied heavily on sit-down dining and the full four-course dining experience, have a listen here and listen to how my man Nick uh, really has navigated that quite expertly. And um, you know, maybe we even came up with a new idea, like a master course in restaurateurship. Restaurateurship? I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, guys, thanks again for listening. Check it out.
right, guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. I am going to allow him to introduce himself. He's coming to us from Las Vegas. Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Nick Palmieri. Uh, my family and I own and operate uh, Gaetano's Ristorante in Henderson, Nevada, which is about 20 minutes off the strip. A um, little bit about myself. Um, my father actually uh, started in the hospitality business when he was about 10 or 11 years old in uh, Sicily. When he came to the United States, um, his dream was to open up his own restaurant when he was a kid. So in the United States, uh, he opened up his first restaurant in uh, Calabasas, California uh, in 1981. We sold that one in 2001. We've been in Henderson. Wow. We just celebrated last year our 18th anniversary. Um, so my experience in the restaurant industry, um, my father put me and my brothers who Danny, um, that, you know, yeah. uh, in regards to real estate, um, he put all of us to work when we were like 10 or 11 years old. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> believe in giving us an allowance. Yeah. So, uh, we had to start cleaning toilets, peeling potatoes, you know, all that stuff and then, uh, move ourselves up. And then, um, to make uh, a long story short, I've worked every single position in the restaurant industry. Um, from line cook, prep, dishwasher, bartender, maitre d, host, manager, uh, you know, admin, everything you can think of. And, um, you know, one thing that separates, I think, me from a lot of uh, restaurateurs and, and people who own and operate restaurants, I actually have a degree in marketing. And um, I'm always like thinking in my head, what, what, what can I do tomorrow that will be better than from today? Oh, yeah. You know, so um, there's a lot of things that I do um, that um, a lot of people don't even think about because I'm constantly thinking outside the box in regards to uh, the hospitality industry, how to gain more customers, how to uh, create more customer service and whatnot. So it's safe to say you grew up in the restaurant business. Yes. yes. <laughs> and is this, so this is, I mean, at this point, it's a passion, right? Like it's a way of life. You live yes. it. I can tell, I could tell that from the second I just read the article that your brother had posted on LinkedIn, which is why I think we're here because you had a quote in there that said, you know, particularly now is you have to have a fire in your belly. Like you right. got to have, you know, some reason to be there. If you're in it just to make money, this is not, this is not going to end well for you after this whole COVID thing shakes out, or even if it hasn't already. So, um, Having grown up in the restaurant business, was there anything that prepared you for what's going on right now? Uh, yeah. So I think the thing is my father always taught, you know, treat, treat the customers and give the customers what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Treat them with the best service you can and give them what they want. And then um, I would say um, we always, he was a master at cost control, you know, um, a lot game. of problems that a lot of restaurants have, they only use one or two suppliers. Well, why not use two or three, four suppliers and see what the pricing is that adjust every week. Not only that, but it never hurts to ask, um, why is this, this amount, these prices are from last season, for example, like on produce. Yeah. So last week I called my produce company and I go, well, why are, why are endives, $20 for five pounds. And he goes, well, that's a mistake. So he went in the system, he changed it and it was $10 or 10, 
$20 for 10 pounds. So I literally saved 50% right there. That's a, um, so, that's, that, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast alone. Like I remember right. like they're just going through those vendor things. They, they're just kind of sending it right. out getting the oil. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of push and pull when it comes to things like that. So what happened is um, with the whole COVID thing, I sort of saw the writing on the wall a week before the shutdown in Nevada. So I was in LA, flew out there for a day um, to meet my best friend. We went to see uh, Bill Burr and a couple other comics in a, in a comedy, in a, in a concert after the comedy show. So I go to Burbank airport to fly back to Vegas the next day. They said, your flight's been canceled. I go, what are you talking about? I checked. They said it was like normal. Yeah. Oh, we texted you last night. Well, whenever you go to a concert, you know, everybody's using their cell phone. Didn't transfer through until I got to the airport. Oh. So they canceled all six Vegas flights that morning to consolidate them at a one o'clock flight. So, so many people were, were canceling flights, this and that. So I said, this is a bigger problem than it actually is. Yep. So then um, actually three days before our shutdown, I already had a curbside menu already um, put together. I rallied all my employees and I said, listen, I'll work every single day just to make sure you guys are employed. We're going to do this. We're going to work as a team. Uh, during the whole shutdown, while we did curbside uh, service, I had 85% of my employees working. There you go. Uh, Good for you. Yeah. yeah. There was, we were almost open every day, but there were some days where I'm like, okay, we probably closed, I think, over the seven to eight week period. Um, I think we were closed like four or five days because there were, there were days I was working 18 hours a day on the marketing you know, it's funny. Yeah. I know why people pay so much for social media, like managers and things like that. It's literally almost a full-time job. So yeah, I, was, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point because restaurant owners, they don't, they, they look at everything and like, well, you're going to put up a post. How long they look at everything like an hourly wage. Like right. what are you, they don't do it. Like this is value-based pricing. It's not hourly pricing, but yeah, that's right. a good point. Right. And the good thing about me versus a social media manager with my marketing background people look at me and my family as like the face of the restaurant. Yeah, so right. people want to hear from me. They don't want to hear from some, you know, 20 year old who graduated college with a social media minor and a marketing <laughs> yeah. degree right. and, and, and post something that they're not passionate about. They're just yeah. doing it because it feeds them, you know? And it's, and who's going to, you know, represent your brand better than you. So that's, right. that's, a, that's another great point. A lot of restaurant owners are very quick to say maybe, Hey, you know what? I'll take that. I'll pay them the 1500 bucks or whatever it is, but uh, just do it. Just do it. But right. it's not really as effective as if, if they gave some FaceTime to the account. Right. So one of the interesting things too, during the shutdown, so there were some, uh, so I'm in the bartending guild out here in Vegas, the USBG, and uh, a couple guys reached out to me and they're like, Hey, let's petition to do curbside cocktails and wine and things like that. Well, the interesting thing is I was, I was featured in the newspaper uh, with my big mustache and everything with bottles of wine. I'm like, Hey, I, I, I if, if I'm paying, you know, I, I called out the mayor of Henderson actually on social media. I'm friends with her on, you know, and she's a customer. I go, Hey, if I'm paying my sewage fees, my permits, my liquor license, all this stuff. Why can't I sell curbside? So what happened is we made this big stink in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas got issued first for only beer and wine. And Henderson was the only municipality in the county that could do cocktails, wine, and beer. So then I call up friends around the country who are masters at batching cocktails yeah. uh, to, 
to carry out. Yep. So I batch my craft cocktails at the restaurant because I like consistency. And if service is fast, we're just banging them out. Yeah. So I'm like my buddy Max owns um, Cocktail and Sons in New Orleans, which is a high-end cocktail syrup. He's like, get, get, get deli containers, get sous vide bags and a sealer and seal it that way. So within them passing the law within 24 hours at curbside cocktails. There you crazy. go. So, so you were putting the cocktails in like a vac, like a cryovac bag? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the only problem with the cryovac, like the, like the food sealer bags that we noticed is when you put the pressure, what happened is the lids would pop off. So I had to get right. sous vide bags to seal it. So it wouldn't have that pressure in there. Got it. So, so we were very innovative. Like I never thought in my right, my right, my, sorry, my right mind that a fine dining restaurant would master the art of curbside. And yeah. um, that's a good point. I mean, because it's restaurants that are built like yours that are, like on the radar of being kind of in trouble, right? Because they weren't really so, I mean, everything before this was moving into okay, everything's a QSR. You got to order on your phone and pick it up. And did you guys, how much change was there to your menu and to your portion size? Did you guys, like, I know a lot of guys switched to family. I didn't change did much. No? I didn't okay. So what I did is I did, I did a shortened menu for the first two weeks. And then people are like, you should do family meals. So then I did family meals. So I did shortened menu three to four family meals and like specials that we can, if we got fresh seafood or something in right. because the supply chain went down 90%. Yeah. Vegas is so relied on the casinos that all my purveyors were, went from 100% capacity and employees down to 90 to 95% um, deficit. So there was only uh, the supply chain was a complete mess. Um, it took me, two weeks to figure out the supply chain and what goods I could get, what goods I couldn't get. Um, I bought things in mass bulk because I didn't know if like, for example, the beef shortage, well, yeah. thank God before, before that I bought 60 pounds of short ribs and, and 80 pounds of ground beef and it saved me, you know, yeah. saved me probably a thousand dollars right there. So I was buying things in bulk just to make sure I was, you know, ahead of the game. So that's incredible foresight. I mean, not everybody was in that boat. And I mean, no. that's, I mean, that's really, you really are in this business for a long time. If you have that kind of foresight to look forward to what may be a potential issue. I mean, the casino thing is something that probably a lot of guys didn't count on. Right. So, I mean, right. so the casinos were lagging. What you're saying is if they were lagging in business then the vendors weren't bringing in as much product. So there was a total shortage for everybody else. Right. Right. And, yeah. and one thing I want to mention too, in regards to, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a mom and pop or a corporate store or, or whatever. Um, I had customers who are regulars. I've got their cell phone numbers. I got their email addresses. Uh, I'm friends with them on Facebook. And the thing is every single time that they got a meal, I made sure I reached out to them within a 24 hour period to see how everything was, if everything was okay. And every single time they're like, wow, you're on top of it. Everything was fantastic, but I wish I could still go inside the restaurant and dine. Yeah. But, but they're like, you're our only spot we're going or one of a few that we go get takeout from. Right. So I think the customer service aspect of the hospitality industry um, has changed uh, for the better because it's sort of been lost. You know, um, we're in a digital age. I grew up without the digital. I'm 36, but 
you know, we didn't get a POS system in, in a restaurant. We've been in the restaurant business for 38 years. First time we got a POS system was 2002. So um, in, our, in our old restaurant, we used to write the checks by hand, That's you know, amazing. and, and uh, you know, I, I know how to use the old system and the new system. Like we did curbside for Easter and Mother's Day and I had people email me and I filled up whole quarter hour slots. So it was um, up to five people per each quarter hour. And I filled it up for a six hour period. Well, we did more in sales doing curbside that way than we did regular, <laughs> di regular dining, right? which is crazy. That is crazy. And I'm like, and I'm like, how could this be like, <laughs> but yeah. it was the, it, it was the nature of the beast. So are there other restaurants? Are you seeing other restaurants in your area copying your style of what you're doing or what's the status of the restaurant? You can't market? copy the style. You can't cut. I, I, I don't want to sound copy cocky, but you can't copy me in in what right. i know with my operation yeah. you are so the i think you bring that you bring that to the, the table so i think a lot of fast dining independent restaurants like i have friends who own pizza shops and things like that they're like i don't even need a, a dining room anymore everything yeah. people or so they upgraded their pos systems where people can order online they're not doing any delivery services because they take such a big cut yep. you know so they're having still pick up or or they have a an independent driver that drives, you know, within a certain mile radius, but they're making more money from not doing dining, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the restaurant industry is, um, the biggest problem with the restaurant industry as a whole in regards to this whole thing is, you know, of course, rents are high and like you live in New York. So like New York and LA insurance costs are through the roof. Yeah. Um, you know, um, certain things that the consumer doesn't really see. Like I have linen. I pay almost a thousand dollars a month for linen. People don't look at that because they're like, Hey, this is a nice restaurant, but you go to Europe in Europe, they have to pay for linen and silverware and all this other stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the hidden cost that a lot of people don't see that I think restaurants now are going to add into the pricing or put a service charge for. That's, that's the, that's something I heard actually now, these COVID service charges. I don't know how that's going to play out, but yeah, I mean, look, I think some of those, like you're referring to these pizza places and, and, um, other concepts are like, I don't want anybody in this restaurant anymore. I'm, I figured out a way to make money, but I think that's just temporary. I don't think that's going to be uh, a long-term thing. I think that's going to be right. the next 18 months. Ultimately places like yours, places that people can go to for an experience for a birthday party for a you know yeah. a engagement party those kind of celebratory mm -hmm. events you're going to want to be in a place where somebody's taking care of you maybe not right away but there's going to be some pivoting there i think for guys like you and restaurants like yours but i i, I don't see that these guys saying that that's just a knee-jerk reaction i think right right are you are you so what's your take on the next on the future of the industry i mean what, where do you see this really all going Ah, that's, that's pretty interesting. So I've been talking to industry people a lot and, um, you know, locally and in other states. It's crazy. I, I don't know where it's going to go, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, short term, it's, it's just a thing that in regards to the face masks and sanitary, that what people don't understand is 
the restaurant industry is one of the most sanitation uh, industries in the country with, in regards to health code standards, right. washing hands, all that. So we already got that in place. I think long-term what needs to happen is the suppliers need to come to realization. Um, uh, particularly liquor suppliers, you know, the inflation of certain uh, spirits and wines have gone up through the roof and there's, and I've got good friends who work for them, but like, but their bonuses are getting higher and yeah. this is getting higher and that's getting higher. Well, that's and, big business, particularly in Vegas, right? Those guys are selling, you know, oh, pallets of Gregus to the casinos. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable amount. Yeah. But I think, I think overall, if, if there's like a two tier system instead of a three tier system of, of the liquor industry mm -hmm. to supply um, the consumer and restaurants, I think that's the way to go. Like they do in England, you can buy alcohol if you're a restaurant online and uh, have it shipped to your place, you know, but who knows? There's too yeah. much lobbying groups in there uh, in, in each state in Washington where I don't think that's going to happen. I think overall for the industry, you will see more fast, casual um, uh, restaurants. You will also see more people supporting local versus chain. Mm -hmm. um, I know my wife and I talked about it, that we're not going to support any more uh, chain restaurants. We're only going to support um, privately owned or, or, or local restaurants uh, when we go out to eat. I just think that's, um, I don't know, I've, I've never been a big chain restaurant guy yeah you know my father taught me how to cook so i know how to cook everything fresh from scratch and you're a restaurant and, guy you're not going to waste your one day off eating uh at some place that's not something that you actually enjoy right 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 so there's there's uh i think that's one of the major changes that's going to happen within the industry um you know what cheesecake factory did was sort of uh um you know, on, on the real estate side, they have these big lawyers and they said, Hey, we're not going to pay our rent because yeah. we got 200 something stores, but it's like little guys can't do yeah. that, you know? Right. And, and they got away with it. That's the problem. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know if, I don't know if the restaurant association needs to be stronger for smaller restaurants to, for their initiation fees. I just think there's going to be um, more people getting involved um, on the grassroots effort yeah. um, to get involved with um, local politicians and, and things like that. Because at the end of the day, we have no voice in Washington for the most part. Yeah. For the That's most part, we have a voice locally. That, that group, um, I forget their name on Instagram, but they're, they're the, you know, the Tom Colicchio's, the Thomas Keller's, they're the yeah, yeah. big names. They are lobbying the federal government for, this type of relief and this type of support moving forward. Um, I mean, it's great to see. I, I don't anticipate it. They're looking for like a billion dollar restaurant specific stimulus package. I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully they're planting the flag for something that's going to be there for the future. I, I mean, I think so. And I think your point is right. valid is that it's needed. These independent guys have nobody, we have nobody fighting for, for ourselves. Right. And, and one of the problems too, you know, people always ask, you know, I'm thinking about opening up a restaurant and, you know, one thing with your background in real estate and business uh, in, in the hospitality industry, Kyle, is like a lot of people don't understand in order for you to open up, you need at least 
six months worth of capital to cover bills, rent, and, and, and um, payroll. And uh, a lot of times, maybe, you know, we could start a masterclass series for restaurant owners because the, the thing is, they don't understand like, hey, if you're in a, if you're in a, if you're in a rent spot for a 10-year lease and, you're, and your rent goes up 3% every year, how do you offset that 3%? Do you increase a martini a dollar? Yeah. Or you get, instead of using soda from the gun, do you get fever tree and then charge a dollar fifty for the tonic or the soda from fever trees to offset that yeah. in the long term? Well, there's different ways where you could factor in to add pricing to offset, you know, expenses, you know? You know, it's um, funny that, I got, that you mentioned that because I had, you know, they always say you got to have a mission, right? Regardless if you're in business, you have to have your why. Like, why am I doing this? And I said prior to COVID, that my, my mission is to really reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. And I right. think that through podcasting, through social media, through a mastermind that maybe we just started right here is a lot of these guys don't have the information and like right. your neighbor's not going to tell you, right? The guy down the street's not going to tell you where he gets his deal on, on, uh, on whatever, on linens, on paper or whatever. Right. He's going to, you got to go find it for yourself. And to be honest, they don't do the homework they're supposed to do, right? They say, oh, you sell paper? Okay, I'll buy from you. They don't take the time, like you're saying, to take three vendors and say, hey, these are the three suppliers. I need these seafold towels. How much are you going to charge me? Right. And, and, and one of the things, too, like I mentioned before, I think a lot of times um, insurance costs is what kills a lot of places. Like my uncle has a restaurant in L.A., He's got the same amount of employees we do. He pays four grand a month for workman's comp insurance, and I pay like six eighty. So I pay oh like gosh. I pay like almost a seventh of what he pays, and it's like he has to be open for lunch and dinner to pay all these extra insurance costs and bills and taxes and all this BS. And it's like if things could be easier and more streamlined, um, you know which unfortunately they'll never be, yeah. it would be easier for restaurant owners. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And look, I'll tell you, it's just that access to information and understanding that that's even something like, I don't know about you, but a lot of, a lot of mom and pop guys don't even know what workers comp is until they start talking to their payroll company and they're about to open in two weeks. Right. You know? So they don't realize what that line item even is on their P&L. Right. And or how, they don't have an umbrella insurance policy and if someone slips and falls and, you know, sues them, they could lose their whole restaurant, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's so much there. And I think, you know, look, we should talk about it. I mean, that's a, a masterclass in restaurant ownership from people who've actually been there, I think is, is a winner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that, if you could take that class, I mean, it should be almost like a prerequisite, like college. Like you want to buy this restaurant, I want to see your certificate that you took the master course because right. I landlord should require it. I don't want this place well, back in two years. Well, it's funny. I got I have friends who are professors at the UNLV Hospitality School, and they're like, Nick, you should be a guest speaker or a guest, you know, um, a professor one semester. I go, I go, they would fire me within three weeks because I, like, in a way, excuse my French, but I, I don't, I don't hold things back. I, I talk shit about the industry in a way where it's positive, but it's reality, you know? If I told students how the casinos, if you go into beverage management, they'll work you six days a week and pay you 40 grand a year. Yeah. You know, and it's like, do you really want that? It's good to get the experience, but you can do better. 
you know? And that's, and, well, that's, I think that's something that's going to come out of this. It's going to come out. It's going to, you know, this, this COVID thing put a mirror up against the industry and forced everybody to look at it and say, look, here are your inefficiencies. Here's where things are going wrong. Can you look at yourself in the mirror and fix it? Or are you just going to die and go by the wayside? Right. And I think like, if you don't have that passion, you know, it's kind of like teaching entrepreneurship, which I think is bullshit too. Like you're either an entrepreneur or you're not like you, you cannot teach somebody to be an entrepreneur. You either got the fire in your belly or you there you don't. There you go. And, and, and one thing that I want to um, mention too, in regards to the COVID thing, I know um, a lot of people in the industry, when they get a cold, they work and they're like, I'm fine, this and that. So since this whole thing went down, I'm actually working on trying to get all of my employees two days off in a row. Yeah. Um, so they could just relax and enjoy their family. Um, some, some people, it's really hard to adjust the schedule for that, yeah. but I'm, I'm making it mandatory now for people to have two days off a row in a yeah, row figure it or out, two right? days That's off a week, off. which is huge. That is huge. I mean, how staff is treated and how employees are treated in the restaurant industry is going to be something else. I think it's going to be a big change, you know, uh, sick day, paid sick leave, things like that are going to be something that's going to impact our industry. But, um, it's glad to hear that you're, um, I'm glad to hear that you're putting your employees, uh, in that high of regard because that's, we're kind of notorious for being in a business that doesn't do that. Right. Exactly. So what's, um, where are you guys at now and where do you have any more steps to take? Is Nevada fully open? What, what's, what's well, we're still in phase two. Um, um, there was a little spike last week. We, the casinos, they weren't uh, forcing the face mask rule that much. So now the gaming commission says, if you don't do it, we'll, we'll shut you down. So now they, they're doing it. Um, in regards to our restaurant, um, we've never been busier. It's, it's Great. insane. I've, I've, I, I knew we were going to be busy, but we're, we're hitting double digit sale numbers um, from previous years and in, in the month to month. So, um, and for an 18 year old restaurant, that's, like staggering, right? Because you pretty much knew what your sales were going to be, right? You weren't going to, weren't too oh, surprised yeah. any year, but like, this is, this is impressive. Well, like right now for this month, for example, I'm already at where I should have been in four or five days from now. So um, it's, it's crazy. And in, in the, my average check per person went up, you know, 30 to 60% on certain nights. Um, it's just, I'm very blessed just to put it that way. You know, the hard work that I put in, I literally, um, people, you know, they could be haters or whatnot, but I actually put in three months straight of work from, from March 11th to May 10th. I did not have a day off. Um, Oh, look, that, I mean, that's what, that's something for the masterclass. They, that's something that's going to happen from time to time. And I think you you say you're lucky and you're blessed, but you know, you, you know, chance favors are prepared, right? Like you're, you're that, that whole lifetime of training is what got you to where you're at now. So I, I, I exactly. there was a little luck in there, but I know for sure it was a lot of hard work. Exactly. Um, all right. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, your address and all that stuff so we can get you. Absolutely. So we're on, um, we're, we're in Henderson. We're at 10271 Southeastern Avenue. We're only open for dinner time. Um, on our Instagram page, we're at uh, Gaetano's, G-A-E. T-A-N-O-S, Ristorante.LV. And then also, um, I'm a big Amaro nerd as well. And I've got my own Amaro uh, social media brand called The Amaro Life. So you can check me out on there. 
I post some stuff from the restaurant on there too, but a What's lot your of favorite tomorrow. Stuff. What's your favorite tomorrow? Um, well, I grew up drinking Averna, so Averna is my my number one. It's from the same province where my father was from. That's the but, only bottle I have here in my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll give you my Sicilian old fashioned recipe. It's pretty uh, pretty awesome. It's my number one cocktail at the restaurant. It's with Averna, yeah. but um, I would say um, I've got. At the restaurant, I've got about 25 different Amaros and eight different vermouths. And then my personal collection at my house, I've probably am close to like 60 bottles now. So. Oh, wow. And your wife is supporting of that. That's She has no cool. choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, look, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule on a Friday, well, no less. Um, I appreciate let's it. Let's connect. Yeah, let's connect on some ideas we have here. I think this was great. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think uh, more people – from the industry need to hear from us, you know, the smaller independent guys, and then also know how to, you know, ride the storm, keep your mind straight. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been talking about mental health um, mm -hmm. issues during this time, but really uh, evaluate um, your life a bit, you know? So. Yeah. Good point. That's a great point. Well, look, stay safe and uh, continue success out there. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kyle. All right, Nick. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. There you have it. Nick, my man, the king of pivoting and figuring things out uh, for a restaurant that is um, not known for their curbside stuff. So um, doing what we can to survive out there. Hopefully you guys took something away here and uh, are going to be able to take it back to your own business, which is obviously the idea. But, you know, as we continue to grow here in the show and we get more traction, um, we're talking to a lot more people, a lot of different kind of backgrounds, lawyers, um, operators in other states, different types of concepts. Um, you know, the questions are coming and the conversations are being had off the air here, obviously. So um, if there is, again, anything that you want to discuss, if you just have a quick question, please, please, please feel free to text me at any time. 914-996-4569. And uh, I'll do my best to answer it for you. But uh, in the meantime, guys, keep staying safe. Keep everybody six feet apart. Keep your dining room, you know, clean with accessibility to the hand sanitizers. You're, everyone covered up. You know what the deal is by now. Stay safe and please feel free to reach out to me at any time. Um, again, you know, the mission here is to reduce the failure rate of restaurants and things are looking pretty grim right now. But sometimes all it takes is that little bit of information, that little piece of information or that little that one phone number, that one contact that you need somebody that could help you out. So uh, if I can in any way do that, please do not hesitate to reach out. 914-996-4569. Thanks again, guys. Be safe.